Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected. This is a weird one. <laughs> and which ones can be unfrozen? With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. I got that. White guy confidence. Yes, we are doing Clone High. Yeah, see, sometimes we dig up these bodies and we, we exhume these past television shows and then we always put them back in the ground. We do. But this one dug its way out of its grave and is out walking about again. Yep. Very interesting. Yes, so this is the second season of Clone High. Uh, this is our first undoomed show, mm-hmm. and uh, we just, we're not going to quite go about this the same way yeah. as we've been going about it, uh, but first, I guess we should uh, pour one out. No. No? They're not. All right. Gonna, it's time to hand them a drink. Okay. <laughs> what you got there, Laura? Sparkling water, because it's new, and that's what people drink in the 2020s. People didn't drink this in 2003. Culture's different now. Oh, all right. How is it? It's sparkling water. Okay. I made myself a little cocktail. It's called Gandhi. It's ice. So we watched Clone High. (laughs) And this is interesting. It's not Clone High Season 2. They are actually listed as two different shows on Max. Yes. Because this, dear listener, is now rated TVMA. They get to say some swears. They sure do. And for this one, we're not going to do what we usually do. We're not going to give you a beat-by-beat, blow-by-blow breakdown. Uh, We're just going to discuss it overall. Yeah. Uh, And we're going to do it this way... For a couple reasons. One is the fact that this show is not doomed. Correct. Uh, I believe it got a two-season deal. Season three is on the way. So giving it that kind of breakdown of like, here's everything that went out, here's where they went wrong, all that other stuff, doesn't really fit for this one. Right. And uh, two, uh, I'm really tired. Yeah, we've had uh, a bit of a rough go uh, with some personal stuff. Tuesday, I was, like, completely laid out. Wednesday, I canceled my show and just stayed home. So, we're we're swimming through porridge today. Yeah, personal stuff is both things in our real lives and also mild food poisoning. Yeah, so it's it's been a rough go. Uh, We apologize for the lateness of this episode. But let's talk about Clone High. You see, way, way back in the 1980s... Secret government employees dug up famous guys and ladies and made amusing genetic copies. But then, in 2003, the clones were sexy teens. Yeah. But they could make it if they tried. Yeah. And then they got frozen. And then they got frozen, and 20 more years went by, and now they've been unfrozen. But on top of that, there was a new batch of teens... That were cloned? Yes. And now everyone's roughly the same age. Yeah, because they the first episode is them unfreezing yes. our original cast and sending them back to high school. 
Uh, the first episode is easily the best episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. Uh, basically, because season one ends with a cliffhanger. Season one ends with uh, Joan of Arc losing her virginity to JFK. Yes. And Abe finally seeing that he loves Joan. Yep. Professing his love to him. And just as they're being froze, Joan says, I love you. We don't know who she was going to say. Editor Noah here. Uh, Two quick things. One, I really uh, screwed the pooch on this one. I was saying that it was Joan professing her love, but it's actually Abe. Abe gets frozen as he's about to profess his love for either Joan or Cleopatra. And when he is unfrozen, it is revealed that he truly loves Joan. I don't know why I got my circuits crossed and said that this was Joan being frozen and speaking, but it is definitely Abe. Now, this happens on occasion here at Stay Doomed HQ, and usually the way I fix that is I throw a clip over top of it that has the correct quote and the correct details in it. Uh, So in my research, this show is being aggressively taken down on YouTube. It is very difficult to keep clips of this on YouTube. And you guys have waited long enough for this episode as is, so there's not going to be that many clips this episode. So this is the usual, there are no clips, apology speech. There are not that many clips. My apologies. Back to the episode. Correct. So when she is unfrozen, we get JFK. Yep, that that cliffhanger just resolves. Yes. Well, I mean, she's being unfrozen. You'd imagine it would be. Yeah. Uh, And the first episode's really fun. There's a, like, we didn't start the fire pastiche Mm -hmm. that in-universe takes several hours. Yes, because Slugworth needs to explain... Scudworth. Scudworth, excuse me. This is not Willy Wonka. Excuse me. Scudworth needs to explain to the clones uh, what they have missed. And we are introduced to our new clones... As Scudworth wants to show off the most popular popular kid in school, Cleopatra, of course, thinks it's herself. And it turns out to be Frida Kahlo. Yeah, Frida Kahlo. Um, Harriet Tubman's a major character. Mm-hmm. Confucius and... Topher Re- Buss. I love the idea behind this character. So when I watched the theme song, I was like, who the hell is Topher Bus. I also didn't really know who Frida Kahlo was. I mean, she's a very famous artist. Yeah, but like... American school system doesn't spend a lot of time teaching the history of art. So I didn't know a lot of about Frida. Uh, I knew who Harriet Tubman was, and I knew who Confucius was. Yes. So... Topher Bus is Christopher Columbus. Mm-hmm. But in the time between the clones being cloned and 2023 when this takes place, Christopher Columbus has been canceled. There's that very famous good place meme. Columbus Mm -hmm. is in the bad place. Yeah. All the right thing and pillaging. (laughs) So he's kind of ashamed of his clone father, but he's also a bad person as well. So, like, no one really likes him. He's kind of the outcast. Yes. This is an amazing joke that we are going to spend almost no time really playing with. 
we spend a little bit of time with them. It's mostly, but he is the antagonist. Like, out of the kids, he's mm. the antagonist. The antagonist, the first season was Cleopatra, who I feel like we lose a lot this season. We lose Cleopatra really poorly, yeah. I will say, though, when I say, like, we don't spend enough time with Topher, I mean with that joke. Oh, okay. Like, the the exploration of what does it mean to be a clone of a character that's been canceled is so interesting. Yeah. Because the big thing about season one is the pressure of high school magnified to the point of you're also expected to be as great as Lincoln, Kennedy, Gandhi. Confucius. Well, yeah, Confucius. Uh, Now we have a character who the person he's expected to be is bad. Yeah. What does that mean to you psychologically? Yeah. It means that I'm an internet troll. Yeah, like there's an episode that deals with him and JFK fighting on TikTok. Yeah. Oh, their version of TikTok. It's not TikTok. It's... Flim Flam or something? Flip Flop? I think it's Flip Flop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Confucius is like a social media obsessed... Yes. Wannabe mm-hmm. influencer. He's not... Some of my favorite jokes in this entire show are the comments on Confucius's flip flops. Yeah. Uh, there are these blink and you miss them jokes about like how his whole family goes on vacation and didn't invite him. Yeah. And then his aunt comments and then the family's like, Aunt Becca, do you want to come with us? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> These like very silly little throwaway moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really liked those moments. So... I guess we, we can go character by character and kind of give the arcs of them, yeah. I guess, is a way to, to go about this. Yeah, sure. Uh, because I, I kind of, I want to save Abe for last. That makes sense. So let's, I guess, start with JFK. Sure. Uh, JFK has the easiest transition back. Yeah. His lewd, crass, jock personality... Mm-hmm. Uh, has come back into style and he's a sex-positive himbo? Yes. I'm positive I love sex. Yeah. And now, like, he has a, a steady girlfriend because in season one, he was dating Cleopatra, but Cleopatra would go back and forth between him and Abe, depending yeah. on what would suit her more. So now he has, like, a steady girlfriend who's not evil. Yeah. And he's also... A lot kinder in this season than he is in season one. Season one, he's... Okay, I think we have to do this, like, in a way of the jock archetype okay. is no longer what it was in the 2000s. Because mm-hmm. it used to be either the jocks were your protagonists in, like, a Friday Night Lights or a Varsity Blues, or jocks were... Evil. Yeah, they're, they're the villains. And JFK was definitely the evil popped collar jock. Mm-hmm. But he is. That's not really a trope anymore. No, not In really. In a post high school musical world, mm-hmm. you can play basketball and be in the musical. Yeah. So JFK, because a lot of his like qualities are turned down, he. Kind of falls into this, like, 
grow category? Yeah, he's kind of dumb. Like we well, we also get an entire episode where it's just Confucius showing JFK how to use the internet. Yeah, the second episode is takes place at like JFK is sleeping over Confucius's house and they just like hang out and use the internet. Yeah, and he gets into like a flame war with Topher. Yeah. And they're just like what are the, what's the the when you rag on someone on the internet. It's not fragging. Flaming? <laughs> flaming. I guess yeah, it's still flaming. They're just flaming each other. And uh, JFK wins because he points out that Topher used the wrong your. It's apostrophe, Ari. What? No! Yeah. And it was very relatable to me that, that like, I've won a lot of arguments online by doing that. <laughs> Yeah. So I was just like, oh, okay, we're updating Clone High, where instead of it being, like, the the big dance being, like, the center point of conflict, it's now the internet. Yes. And I was like, okay, this is a decent transition, I would say. Uh, by the end of this, uh, most of the time, JFK is going to be with Joan. They are going to break up. Yes. And then by the end of this, he's friends with Abe. Yeah. Which is okay, but weird. I think the last episode we are going to have to kind of discuss individually. I agree. Uh, Because the last episode... There's two episodes I want to discuss individually, and they're the two last episodes. Okay. For literally the opposite reasons. Mm. I I want to talk a little bit more about the first episode when we talk more about Abe. I agree. Because some good stuff happens in that one. Uh, let's talk a bit about Harriet. Yes, Harriet Tubman. Uh, she takes. She's Joan's best friend. Yes, she has like big puffy pink hair. Yep, and she's kind of a a perfect schoolgirl type. She, like, she's like an activist. She's yeah. really thinking about her future and college, but there's also part of her that does not necessarily want to follow in Harriet Tubman's footsteps. I feel like that is the biggest missing piece of all of this. There's not a single Harriet Tubman joke. And I don't know what it would look like, but like if you're going to have Harriet Tubman there... Tubman. Am I saying it wrong? Yeah, you keep saying Tubman? Yeah. It's Tub. Tubman. Okay. Harriet Tubman. I guess we're saying the plosives like slightly differently. It just seems... Harriet doesn't have any of those jokes that, like, Abe gets. Yes. Because, like, JFK says to Abe, uh, my heart is broken. It feels like a bullet to the brain. You have no idea what that feels like. Yeah. Or uh, possibly my favorite joke of the whole show is when uh, JFK is with the Bronte sisters. That's my favorite joke of the show. And he ends up abandoning them and says, I've made, made a Jane, Jane error. That like, that's the stuff that I loved about clone high. Yes. Was like those little history jokes that were slipped in there. And there's not one. And I don't know what you would do with Harriet. I don't know. I, don't, I can't think of a good appropriate underground railroad joke. <laughs> now the thing with Harriet Tubman is she's an interesting choice. You know, she's in the first season. Oh, man, these standardized tests are culturally biased. 
What would an upper-class male Caucasian most likely do on a weekend at the Cape? Psst. Tubman. The answer's D. Croquet. Okay, this is something I wasn't positive of. I believe she's cut from the first season. No, she was? Yes, she's not a large role. Okay. She's in Makeover, 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 the Makeover episode. <laughs> oh, I forgot about how... As soon as they said that out loud, I was like, oh my god, I forgot how funny the Makeover episode is. Makeover, 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 Makeover. makeover. Uh, <laughs> I thought, like, I remember researching that and finding that, and I thought... They, that she had been cut and then they brought her back, but I guess I'm wrong. No, she just wasn't a major character mm-hmm. in season one and in season two. She's one of the leads and also has a very modern redesign. I, I do find this interesting because this is a very millennial and then Gen Z mm-hmm. idea. But the people making it are still Gen Xers. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to show. And I will I will expand upon that more. Because uh, I think after Harriet, we should discuss Frida Kahlo because they're often together. Yeah, let's talk about Frida. Um, Harriet and Frida are best friends, and they mm-hmm. also then become best friends with Joan. And they're sort of the main new generation clones we spend time with. Yes. We don't spend as much time with Confucius or Topher Bus, And they, they're kind of introduced with trying to draw secrets out of Joan, so they're trying to befriend Joan because they want to know her secrets. Mm-hmm. And they also are doing, like, an inclusivity fair. Yes. Uh, where they get rid of everyone who's been canceled. And mm-hmm. they hang out, and it's like, it's super inclusive except for you, and that's the bit. Yeah. The, the, it ends with everyone having their own unity fair. Yes. <laughs> Which is a good bit. Uh, what did you think about Frida's sidekick? Oh, uh, her unibrow being its own... Uh, was I, sentient? I, I hated it because they forgot about it. Yeah, they, this is a joke that lasts maybe three episodes, and then they just stop doing it. And then, again, the same problem. Oh, Frida was in season Frida Kahlo was in the same episode of uh, Clone High, and I don't know why this was the choice they made. I mean, I think it's understandable in that you have to have a moment where you're like, well, if we're going to have more clones that are going to become in focus, what are the ones we want to do stuff with? And they pick Harriet, Frida, and Confucius, but they don't have the bits ready for them. Yeah. And I mean, it's like the season one clone high cast is fairly white. Mm -hmm. So they're... Clearly trying to bring in more diversity, but they don't seem to have done the research yeah. to do those kinds of jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frida Kahlo is a free spirit. Yeah. She's kind of a laid back. I, does she have a skateboard? I keep... She skateboards in. Yes. She okay, skateboards I was like, in to make her like debut. I, I couldn't figure out if she had a skateboard or if that was just the vibe I got from her and mm. I was projecting a skateboard yes. onto her. Uh, I really, really hate that they lose the eyebrow bit. Yeah, it was a weird thing to set up and then have nothing for. Uh, and this is a weird comparison, but I... I, I kind of believe this, so I'm going to go with it. Uh, 
I was thinking about Kingdom Hearts. Oh, no. And there was such a large gap between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3. I loved Kingdom Hearts 2. Yes, you did. And I hated Kingdom Hearts 3. I think Kingdom Hearts 3 is probably equally as good as Kingdom Hearts 2. It's just that since then, I played Bloodborne and God of War and other games where the answer to every enemy isn't mash the X button. So I've evolved, but it hasn't. Between Clone High Season 1 and Clone High Season 2, we had epic rap battles of history. Yes. Oh, that that's a very good point. So, like, that style of joke has been around still and improved and grown and has a following. And for it not to be as effective in this new season really hurts it. If this had come out immediately after Clone High Season 1, I don't know if I'd have as many complaints. I would have some of the same complaints uh, with uh, how how they handled some of these things. Um, Confucius, do we want to go to Confucius then? Uh, be- before that, I, I do want to talk about... Uh, no, no, yeah, let's talk about Confucius. Uh, Confucius, instead of being a wise philosopher, he is very much... He's one, Like I said earlier, he's a wannabe influencer... He isn't very ambitious. He's very hopeful. Mm -hmm. I I do like him a lot as a character. I liked him too, but I felt like they didn't do anything with him. They didn't. He was Confucius in name only. Yes. They never had him... Like, Confucius is known for sayings. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would they go a flip-flop account when you would just... When a Twitter clone would make more sense for Confucius. Yeah. Like whatever what you want to call mm. a fake Twitter. Yeah. Bitter or mm-hmm. something. Like that seems to fit Confucius yeah. a, better. A tweet box is most useful when it is empty. And I I'm, just thought of that. <laughs> None of that is in this show. There's no like, he never philosophizes. Yeah. And I feel like it would be funny if he was a twit, like a Twitter personality or even like a podcaster. Oh, a podcaster would have made so much more sense something, if he was like a Joe Rogan. Yeah, something in that like stereotypical vein <laughs> of even if it was just he was a super social justice podcaster or an entertainment critic mm-hmm. or just having him apply what does a philosopher look like in 2023? A bowl is most useful when it is empty. So you can fill it with today's sponsor. Beatbox. <laughs> Beatbox. No, up, no, Vibe. Vibe. We're selling out the Vibe now. Whatever. I'll, I will sell out to whichever one of them gives us money. So, Cleopatra? Cleopatra. Wow. Uh, so... I almost think before we get into Cleopatra... Now, nah, let's get into Cleopatra. Uh, Cleopatra gets recast. And I think that's really important. It, did she? I I don't feel like that's true. She 100% gets recast. I know this for a fact. Okay. Because the voice actress of Cleopatra was the girl who played Jordan on Scrubs. 
and she changes into a different character in this season. And instead of this, like, sharp, like, I know I'm beautiful and I'm using it to, like, better myself, she's almost in this, like, valley girl vapid, like, I'm, I don't realize I'm so pretty because I, I don't have a brain in my head type character. Yeah, she loses a lot of the fun. Okay, yeah, they did recast Claire Patrick. You're 100% right. And they did not recast Joan of Arc, though. No, they certainly didn't. Which is why I think that's where I I got confused. I have things to say about that. They did not recast any of the other four main characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks like they made an effort to cast someone of a similar heritage to Cleopatra, so it might have been done... Yes, so... Similarly to how Big Mouth recast... Yes, they, they decided not to have uh, white actors voice characters, uh, characters of, color. of color anymore. That is what happened. I just want to say the actress of Jordan is known for her sharpness. Krista Miller, yes. And Cleopatra, like, had all of her edges shaved off for this. And we don't see her much... No, and the she's not. She has one very good episode. Okay, where they and by very good I mean she's very heavily featured mm-hmm. in a an episode where it's the homecoming queen episode. Yes, and she's heavily featured. She becomes homecoming queen, and they actually do a very interesting uh, commentary on. Joan and Cleopatra and how they're both kind of terrible in their own way. Mm -hmm. But Joan was terrible in a way that was very palatable in 2003. She was not like other girls and she's what would now kind of be called a little bit of a pick me. Mm -hmm. And Cleopatra is kind of like, I'm awful, but at least I own that I'm awful. Yeah, I mean, she... It, it's it's more of like, I'm awful because I'm so pretty and I can get away with it. In this, she actually says things like, I'm so pretty. But like in the past, she'd be like, I'm really sleepy, Abe. Can you please read this textbook to me while I sleep so I can get an A? I yeah. would really appreciate it. Yeah, she like, was more openly manipulative. Mm-hmm. And in this, this where she becomes a prom queen, or homecoming queen, excuse me, uh, she gets like a magical crown, and she starts turning people into her? Yes. Which, to me, is counterintuitive to Cleo's character. It should be people who adore her. Not, yeah. It shouldn't really be in her image, because they should stay below her. They also do, like, the low-hanging basic fruit. Like, she has a whole plot line with pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah. And it just feels like, well, what do we know about basic girls? Uh, Pumpkin spice latte. Cheap joke. Yeah. Nothing is... The lack of historical smart jokes is really upsetting in this show. Yeah, it's definitely a missing piece to the puzzle this time around. Um, So let's let's move on to... um, We're saving Abe for the end. So let's talk about Scudworth. Scudworth, I I feel like we spend so much more time we with spend Scudworth. Way too much time with Scudworth. And we let's also fold in Candide here. Yes. 
Uh, he is working for the shadowy organization, and he has a new supervisor mm-hmm. named Candide, who is Krista Miller. Yes, this is the character she is swapped into. And she kills this character. It's great. She's fantastic. And Scudworth is talking about, like, the plans he has with the for the clones. And she comes in and takes the floor above him and literally puts in a glass season, uh, ceiling. Yeah. Which, like, is on the nose, which is the point. Yeah. It's funny. And her thing is she has lizards? Yeah, she's like a bunch of monitor lizards. And, like, it's never explained. It's just every once in a while there's a lizard. <laughs> and that felt more clone high to me. Yeah, like she just has lizards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but Scudworth is very much in focus the whole time. And, and his, like, kind of relationship with her? Yeah. And Scudworth was never my guy. So I was like, I don't want to spend this much time with him. He's a side character. He's a B-plot. He's very much an A-plot at times during this. And I don't care for that. And going hand in hand with that is Mr. B. All right, so we have a whole episode we got to talk about, Mr. Beeb. This is one of the two episodes I want to spend time on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this episode. Mm-hmm. We spend an entire episode focusing entirely on Mr. B. Yes. We see Joan a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's a, essentially a flashback episode where Mr. B tells us about his life. It's called For Your Consideration. It's supposed to be like an award bait. Yes. It is Diet Bojack Horseman. It's Bojack yeah. Horseman, but not very good. So, the, the the long and short of it is, he is a robot, thus he has no soul. And they go to the origin of why he calls everyone Wesley. And it's because he had a twin brother who was named Wesley that they thought they were... He thought they were twins, but he's a robot because it was a prank they were pulling on him. Like, that whole thing is very confusing and doesn't, like, work. And throughout the flashbacks, the animation changes. Yes, which I did like. Which I did like, so you knew, like, what year it was, roughly. Because it was like, oh, this is animated like a 70s cartoon because it's all Fritz the Caddy. Yeah, it was, like, very Ralph Bakshian style. Uh, they had that very, like, 40s, borderline, like, the pie-eye. What, what, what our audience might think of as, like, the cuphead style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he called everyone Wesley because he was Mr. Bus- Butlertron, and Wesley is a common name for someone who has a butler. Giving it this backstory is destroying a joke that has existed since the beginning of Clone High. Why? It's also spending too much time with a character no one's invested in, Wesley. Because, like, Mr. Butlertron in the first season, it's almost even questionable if he is sentient or if it's just a robot. Yeah. Because he's always off and he's saying Wesley. This one, like... Mr. B is annoyed most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's just like, oh, none of this plan works, Leslie. It doesn't click. It doesn't feel right. And spending an entire episode with him where we don't see many of the clones. Joan is literally there to have a frame story. Yeah. 
we only got 10 episodes of this. And this felt, this episode felt like a waste. And like, I bet it was really expensive. Because of the different styles. Different styles. And like, it's funny to do an award bait episode. But this was not the way to go about it. Uh, so that brings us, I believe... Oh, let's talk real quick about the the crew of side characters that are just about. Sure. Because we have... Sacagawea is kind of a new character that's just around. Yeah, she's just another one of the clones who... I, I feel like they had a stable of five or six other characters you see. Yes. And Sacagawea is one of them. Marie Curie. Marie Curie's from season one. Uh, so is... Uh, Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan for a little... Like, we see a lot of George Washington Carver and his peanut. Uh, Van Gogh is back and recast. And recast because it was Andy Dick. And now it's Will Forte. They just gave him a second character. Oh. Because he's also Abe. He's also the narrator. So he... Yeah, well, get get your money, Will. Yeah, I love Will Forte. <laughs> uh, but... That's pretty much it. Like, we always see those characters. In season one, they would just bring up another clone if the joke fit that. And they really didn't do that very much. Like, the the two that come to mind are when they do the film festival in season one, and Joan has a really artsy piece that nobody understands, and then someone jumps up and starts laughing that... Go away, Sigmund Freud. That was great. There's also another part where, like, they go to see the carpenter that's working on the school play, and it's Jesus. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was a like, carpenter. And he's like, just chill. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots himself with a nail gun. <laughs> like, stuff like that. Instead of looking for, like, maybe it'd be funny if we threw Ben Franklin in for this moment, or something like that. No, nothing. I mean, I this I I missed the joke of she was more like Catherine the so so. Yes, like even just a reference. <laughs> like they already had a character design for a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we didn't get to see them. It's just it's a bummer. It's a bummer. So let's talk about Abe. Uh, I think we have to, we did not talk about Joan. Oh, I'm sorry, we didn't talk about Joan. We have a lot to say about Joan, because Joan's the main character now. This is not an ensemble show, this season. Joan is the lead. Yes. Without any... There's no way around it. Joan is the lead of Clone High Season 2. I'm going to very awkwardly compare this to Heather's. Okay, I actually see where you're going to go with this. This is Joan's first taste of being popular. And... There's never really a feeling of, like, this is a thing I need to hold on to or anything like that. I guess because the times have changed and everyone's just buddy-buddies now. Like, there are no bullies, there are no factions, everyone's included. Yeah. Uh, But, thus, like, now that the status doesn't really matter... Like, Joan has nothing to rebel against. Yeah. And thus her character is really gone. Yeah, she's the lead, but she her personality seems to change wildly based on the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I found really interesting is 
it seemed like she was not that into JFK until after they broke up. Like, it seemed like JFK was like a millstone around her neck in a lot of ways. And then they broke up and she's like, I always loved JFK. And I was like, you didn't act like you liked him in most episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so there's issues there. Uh, Joan has the same voice actress, which is the the blonde girl from Mad TV whose name escapes me. Nicole Simpson. Nicole Simpson. Uh, You can tell that time has passed and her voice is a little bit different now. Still find Joan very attractive. I, I that do, has not changed. I do find it super interesting that they did address how Joan would be received now. The less nice parts of Joan's character. We talk about this. Strapping, guys. Riverdale time. So, TikTok, Riverdale o'clock. Mm. We talk about how Jughead being like a teen rebel. How it has actually become expected that he's going to be a gentle, kind loner. Because yeah. that's... That's what that trope is now. Mm. So when the show tries to treat it like he's gonna be a jerk, everyone's like, when's the last time the troubled loner has actually been a jerk? Yeah. It's the same It's the same as like, when's the last time you saw a clown that was just trying to be funny? Yeah, when's the last time you saw an unironic clown? <laughs> yeah. So, we have this sort of not like other girls, Joan, and that stuff... Flew in 2003 mm-hmm. when, you know, in a post she's all that world. Yeah. Where she's like more of a Laney Briggs mm-hmm. and she's not like other girls and she's not like Cleo and Catherine the Great. But those girls often did in teen media have a nasty streak. But since they were the protagonist, we kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. And now we kind of see the more realistic of like, no. Joan also kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, So Joan throughout this season is dating JFK until they break up. Uh, And then there's kind of a big twist at the end. Uh, But Joan also has uh, this friendship with Frida and uh, Harriet. And they have a big sleepover. Yes. And... I love the sleepover. <laughs> I think yeah. it's really funny. I like that they summon Bloody Mary and she joins the sleepover. Yeah, because they, they do that, like, oh, what do you do at a sleepover? You summon Bloody Mary and then they have a pillow fight together. All very, very funny yes. stuff. The first couple episodes feel very different from mm-hmm. everything after it. The first couple episodes are, really do feel like Clone High. Yes. Uh, oh, man, I have like so many like big things I want to say, but I'm sitting on all of them. Uh, oh, another thing I want to make... We didn't discuss this with Cleopatra and Frida Kahlo. Is they get put together in a relationship in yes. the last three episodes of the series. Which is so weird because they're very clearly in a relationship in the theme song. Yes, they're reaching for each other and it's very transparent. They're go- it, it actually kind of sucks because you kind of wish they didn't tell you in the yeah. beginning. Because I, I think it would be more interesting if we didn't know... But this leads to what I believe is the most clone-high-feeling moment, where Cleo is chasing Frida, and Frida, like, wigs out every time and runs away. Yeah, she, like, panics. Until they're finally at a party, and Cleo walks up to Frida and goes, how could you not want this? And it's, first off, very interesting, 
Because it is Cleo asking earnestly. Yeah, like, how, why, how, why don't you like me? And, like, because, like, that has never happened to her before. And it turns into a French film <laughs> where they profess their love for one another. It's in French with subtitles. But during this, there's now also a mime. And they're, like, eat, wearing berets and eating cheese. That is being so funny. And there is nothing more clone high to me than deciding that this is the moment where you're going to put jokes in the background, knowing that your audience has to spend their time reading. Yes. I was like, this is so funny. <laughs> like, it's, it's very annoying and frustrating, but like, that's kind of part of the joke. Uh, it's kind of like, you will probably... Like, there will be people who do not see this at all that will not know that the mime was even there because they're busy reading. I love that. So I guess it is time to talk about Abe. Yes. So Abe, in the first episode, gets canceled for using uh, 2003 slang. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a great, like, time travel joke almost. Yes, because, I mean, we've discussed it on this show with The Amazing Race, Mm -hmm. with words that they throw around very liberally that are not accepted words anymore. Uh, and, like, just misuse of words. Like, he, they, they phrase it very clearly so that it's, like, earnest and apologetic. He says, I'm sorry I didn't mean to say something gay. And, like, to, to use that word in a negative context is so, pat, like, out of our normal nomenclature that everyone, like, gasps. This is done, like, very well. This first episode is, like, very, very clever. Yeah. But this is leading into, basically, evil ape. Yeah, he's actually... Kind of in a way, in the same way Joan feels like a worse part of herself, Abe sort of becomes what would now be the nice guy trope. Yeah. In some ways. That, that's a good way to look at it. But I also feel like there's a lot of times where he is not being true to his character. Because what was one of my favorite parts of this was the song White Guy Confidence. White Guy Confidence. That Frida sings. Yeah. Where it's just like... And this is something that some of the characters are like looking to distill and drink. The idea of being as confident as a... White uh, man. As a white man with no talent. Which is a funny concept. But that's also so not what Abe is. No, because he's not confident. Yeah, he's an awkward, lanky dude. Yeah. They... Like Joan, I felt like Abe changed personalities. And Abe was out of focus for multiple episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, Because at one point, he and Jane, or he and Jane, he and Joan sever their friendship. Yes. Joan's like, I can't really be friends with you. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the emotional cores of the initial series was their like Dawson and Joey-esque friendship. Mm -hmm. And so to lose that was 
kind of a bummer. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> there was a speech that I, we went on a walk that I said to you that was so funny that I watched it again from season one. Yes. And it's it shocked me at how many jokes, like, per second it was. And it's just this moment where Joan and Abe are sitting on docks being sad. Oh, yeah. And then reveal that they're sitting next to each other and that there's just multiple docks. And Abe stands up and says, you know what really hurts, Joan? This nail that I stepped on. And then it cuts to his foot. And he goes, but there's another nail that screwed into my heart because you screwed me over, so maybe I should have went with a screw metaphor. But it's too late for that. I guess it is. And that's where you're wrong, Joan. (laughs) Goodbye, Joan. And then he walks off the dock. Yeah. And then he gets out. He's like, goodbye, Joan. He walks the other way. It's like a lot of jokes in a minute. It's yeah. that type of humor where, like... That, like, rat-a-tat-tat. That rat Yeah, that, like, you couldn't have a laugh track. It's the difference between season three Simpsons and season 23 Simpsons. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, and, like, the fact that we, we've lost that bit is also pretty rough. Um, I'm going to have a reveal about it later, though, so stick with me. So... So that's kind of our discussion of the characters. I think the other thing I really want to talk about here is the episodes themselves. Mm -hmm. In the original Clone High, they do all kind of hit... I mean, they hit a lot of the same ideas. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a musical. Yeah. Because they do the rock opera. There's the homecoming episode. But... Everything felt like a teen drama with a loose veneer Mm -hmm. of a theme to it of this is what a teen show has. We're going to do the homecoming episode, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the only film festival episode I can think of is the Simpsons, but what have you, (laughs) the Christmas episode, the prom episode. Oh, well, the, the, the film would be like the talent show episode. Yeah, but they did each of these and, but they were always... Well, they were always a very special episode, which mm-hmm. I loved. But it was always the same show. Yeah, tied to the reality of the school. But just hitting the tropes of these different episodes. This one's all over the place. There's two normal episodes and then there's a horror episode. Yes, I loved the horror episode with the heebie-jeebie. I, it was tough because I liked it. But I, I really didn't like that they changed the opening credits mm-hmm. because they hadn't done the show. Like, this was only the third episode of the season. To me, I was like, this isn't, doesn't feel earned. Okay. We haven't gotten to the part where you can start changing the credits yet. They also overuse changing the credits. I agree. About half of the episodes have an alternate credit sequence of some kind. Because mm-hmm. uh, they also do the award bait episode. Uh, the musical one, which I was like, why don't we don't need to change it? You already have a musical. Uh, nah. But they were all sort of leaning into the Riverdale style theme episode. Yes, <laughs> exactly. We were just jettisoned because uh, I want to say Riverdale, but I'm also going to say Glee here because I think mm-hmm. Glee started this. 
of jettisoning any kind of logic or internal like rhyme or reason to commit to the bit. So I watched a lot of critiques of season two and I know I had a lot of critiques of season two here, uh, but I'll reveal right now. I liked it. Yeah. I I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, I think it might've been helped by the fact that I hadn't watched season one right before watching season two. Yes. So it's not like I was expecting that quality of a show, but it was amazing that every person that wrote a video essay on YouTube basically said the same thing. The first season of, of Clone High was a clear parody of shows like Dawson's Creek and like Seventh Heaven where it was like this high drama and they would make jokes on the fact that every all the stakes were super high even though they were super low. Yeah. All of that parody is gone. And so many of them would say something like, Weird stuff would happen, like this monster would show up, or they were lost in the desert. What is this, Riverdale? Like, they would actually, like, invoke Riverdale. Yeah. And my response to that is, yes, this is a parody of teen shows in 2023 now. Yes, and this teen is shows on purpose. look different now. Yes, the genre-based episodes is a cliche in today's teen shows. Yeah, because I'm going to use Riverdale, and I know Glee has been off the air for some time. Mm-hmm. I think it's been off the air for nearly a decade. But Glee is also one of those shows that just, you can't, I don't understand it. You can't kill it. No. <laughs> it keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. So, this, like, I, I feel like Glee is a real prototype to Riverdale in a lot of ways. I realized why they're so similar. Mm -hmm. The showrunner of Riverdale Mm -hmm. worked on Glee for five seasons. He also was a script doctor for Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. (laughs) This man is following me to ruin everything I love. (laughs) I think we're following him with what we choose to absorb as media. No, no. (laughs) No, no. He is the heebie-jeebie, not I. No, no. I saw I saw Spider Man turn off the dark and glee before I knew this man's name. <laughs> so, I. Uh, anywho, yeah. it makes sense that it's leaning on these more Glee Riverdale tropes. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like that they kept changing the opening sequence because I really love the opening sequences of Clone High. I agree with that statement. I think they didn't lean on it enough. Yeah, like. It was, the stakes were so, were taken to such a ridiculous level that, like, it was so clearly parody in season one. I think in season two, it needed to be a little bit more self-aware and kind of, like, almost say things like, don't worry about it, this monster will be gone soon and tomorrow it's going to be a western. Like, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I almost wish... It needed that little dollop of community. Yeah. Because, like... L- like an Abed-type character that would... Well, because like... community will also alter their opening sequences more subtly. See... Like, they'll change the cootie catcher graphics to be something closer to what the episode's about, like a Halloween graphic mm-hmm. or what have you. And I feel like... This just went so hard. And if you were watching this 
If you were watching this because you liked the original Clone High, it was kind of a bummer that you're like, oh, it's another theme episode. I just, I want to watch them be clones. I also, for 10 episodes, the pacing in this show is god-awful. Yeah, but before we get to that, I just want to finish my thought on, sure. on this style. I think the issue is it doesn't lean on it enough to be parody that to too many people it looks like this is another Riverdale rather than this is a parody of Riverdale. I almost wish that in the first episode they had like set up everything that was going to happen because one of the greatest teen parodies of all time, in my opinion, is not another teen movie. Yeah, that's totally fair. one of my favorite jokes is when they're walking into school, there's a schedule on the wall that says like, Monday, first day of school, uh, Tuesday, uh, the big game, Wednesday, like rehearsal for the school play, Friday, graduation. Thursday, the big dance. Yeah, Thursday, the big dance, Friday, graduation. That, oh, it's just like, oh, okay, it all takes place in a week. That's so good. If they had set up a schedule that was like the big play, the, the sleepover, the uh, lost in the desert and like set up like each of these episodes are going to be a different genre because that's the trope now. This would have hit so much better. Yeah. Instead of it being something that seems to need to be decrypted that most people are getting wrong. Yes. Uh, That being said, the pacing in this show is a mess. Yes. Now let's talk about pacing. (laughs) Because there's so, it feels like some episodes are just filler. Mm Mm-hmm. And then something like Frida and Cleopatra forming a relationship is crammed in the last, like, two episodes of the series. Mm. Excuse me, the eighth and the tenth episode, because the entire ninth episode is just about Mr. B for some reason. So, can can I talk about the the tenth episode real quick? We we have to talk about the tenth episode. Uh, So the final episode is a murder game show. Noah's just unbridled glee. And instead of Caesar Flickerman or um, Bidet from the selection, we have Michael Bolton. <laughs> we have Michael Bolton is going to lead this. And it's like a murder maze that you have to get through uh, to get to college, to get to clone college, which... Sounds like clown college. Well, it's also referenced in Spider-Verse. Yes. That clone college. Oh my God, you're right. Show. I totally forgot that clone college... Ugh. Yeah. So... Uh, all the students are in this maze and they have to escape the maze in order to make it to college. The following happens in this episode, okay? All right, strap in, Uh, kids. Confucius and Harriet break up. Harriet then realizes that she shouldn't have broken up with him and just misses Confucius because they're two different people and they need to balance each other out. And then they get back together. Uh, Joan is still... Separated from JFK, but kind of wants to be with JFK. But JFK is now becoming best friends with Abe. Uh, while Abe wants to get back with Joan, but Topher is blackmailing. Blackmail is such an ugly word. He's white leveraging. He's white leveraging Abe to prevent him from doing that because he also likes Joan. Uh, Joan Cleo... Uh, Harriet and Frida's are the four Amigas. Yeah. And they will do anything for one another. Even though Cleopatra and Joan have agreed to disagree and agreed to dislike each other. Yes. A few episodes ago. Uh, Joan saves them from a trap, but then 
Uh, Frida chooses Cleo over Joan in another trap, but Joan survives it. So Joan turns on the group, tries to find the JFK group, turns on that group, turns on the whole school, murders everybody, wins the, the, the maze, realizes that murdering everyone was the wrong thing to do, saves everybody, but then it's revealed what she did to them in the first place, and now they're mad at her. All of that business could have been a season of this show. Yeah, Murder Game Show could have been a considerably longer, at least a two-parter. So... Like, at least cut Mr. B's crap Yeah, and make it a two-parter. This, this could have been a two-parter. So I had this moment where I'm like, as much as I love this episode because it's a murder game show, I hate this because they jam-pack too much stuff in a single episode. And then as I'm having that thought... I thought about Eyepatch Wolf. Eyepatch Wolf has a uh, video about Riverdale. And he does this exact same thing where he explains everything that happens in one season and then goes... That is everything that happens during Riverdale season four. Oh. I'm sorry. I seem to have misread my notes again. Did I say season four? I meant to say season four, episode three. And then I was like, wait a minute. Is this all on purpose? And then I remember going for a walk with you and you talking about Riverdale and you telling me like, it doesn't make any sense. Betty and Jughead got together just so they could break up again, just so they can get back together again. I was like, that's exactly what this show is doing. I want to I point out to our loyal readers. I said that during season two of Riverdale back when it was almost a normal teen show. So, I think all of these choices are made on purpose as a parody. I think we're just not seeing it because what they're doing is actually ridiculous, but it's not as ridiculous as Riverdale. (laughs) So, is our thesis here Riverdale ruined Clone High? That's kind of where I'm going. Like... I, I can agree on some level. I just... Unfortunately, it means it's picking up a lot of Riverdale's flaws. Of it's not executed as well as the Dawson's Creek pastiche. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I think about the sleepover episode. Where they where Frida and Harriet admit that they murdered a man. Oh, yeah. Buried him. And then joined, like, a blood oath that they would never speak about it. Yeah. Like I th- know what you did last summer. Like, that is super over-the-top ridiculous. Except in Riverdale, there was a whole cult! <laughs> a whole cult! I mean, that's why I, I did have a joke for the longest time where I played Riverdale Two Truths and a Lie mm-hmm. with the audience. And the lie was something, like, very normal. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the truths was the organ harvesting cult. Yeah. My, my fix for this is literally the same as what my fix for Riverdale was. The clones that are getting unfrozen should have remained a parody of the 2000s. Okay, I like that. So you have, like, you go back to, like, the love triangle, but now the love triangle's for Joan instead of Cleo. And it's Cleo trying to deal with the fact that Joan's now the popular girl between JFK and Abe. And then you take Harriet and Frida and Confucius, and they're trying to stop a murderer. 
Yeah, because that was one of the things in season one of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. I did love that Archie felt like he was on an entirely different show. <laughs> that was hilarious. And they're clearly aware of Riverdale. What's the name of the older teacher that tries to seduce Abe? Do you remember? No, I do not. Miss Grumble. Oh, really? <laughs> what does that sound like? Uh, oh, what is her actual name in, in Riverdale? It's like it's Miss like, Grundy. Grundy, yeah. So it's clearly born on a Monday. Yeah, it's it. It does feel like a clear parody mm-hmm. of Riverdale in a lot of ways, uh, and it's they play. Unlike Riverdale, Clone High actually does do that storyline very exaggerated and very played for mm-hmm. laughs. And that feels like a clear parody of Riverdale. It's clearly making fun of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. That being said, I still didn't understand the Mr. Beasley episode. <laughs> no, the Mr. B episode is the problem. <laughs> it ruins so much pacing. It's just this long... It's just this long episode where we're like, why do we even have this? Mm. I would have rather spent, I would have rather taken that day in the limelight and spent it with one of the clones we didn't spend a lot of time with. Yes, that should have been a Topher episode. Yeah. There's a, there's one more big thing that I, I need to reveal. Okay, because uh, so you did more research for yeah, this. Is, is there anything else you wanted to bring up before I bring up the, the twist of all of this? Uh, no, I I didn't love the ending. But it definitely has like an Empire Strikes Back vibe because, correct me if I'm wrong, they got a two-season order. Yes, there's going to be a third season. So it's got that like slightly Empire Strikes Back ends Mm -hmm. on a down note. Uh, I would feel better about this ending if the CEO of uh, HBO Discovery, Time Warner, whatever company owns that at this point, if he was not as happy to cut everything, mm-hmm. I would feel better about it. Because I, yeah. I'm a little afraid this is going to become a double doomed. Yes. So the, the two things I want to talk on, uh, one, we completely forgot to mention this, and, and it's a huge issue. Violence as a punchline is all over this show. We all know how much I hate it. And like, there was always violence in Clone High. Nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys? <laughs> And also, like, the death of... Uh, Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon. Yeah, but the death gets... of Ponce de Leon, because it was a one-off, mm-hmm. it was funny, and because his death was central to the plot... Yes, <laughs> litter kills, literally. Uh, in this one, there are buckets of blood in every episode. Often complete... And it's cartoon violence in that, like, the character's fine... Like, Cleopatra does a sequence of events that is comparable to Ponce de Leon's death. Yes. And, like, some of it's funny. Like, there's one where, like, Abe just keeps getting paper cuts where that's, like, a little bit funny. But but because it's TVMA, they can go full blood. Uh, there's, like, a moment where, like, I think it's Scudworth bleeds and coats the entire school in blood. Yeah. I was like, that's weird. And then there's a moment where he breaks his own leg with a saxophone. And, like, they show, like, the bone broken and sticking out of the skin. Like, not cartoon I've turned into an accordion violence. Like, accurately depicting a broken leg. Adult swimmy. Yeah. And I was just like, that's lazy for Clone High. Yeah, I did appreciate that despite being TVMA, they didn't mm. lean on swears too much. No, there's one amazing F-strike. 
Yeah. Where Scudworth gets fired and Mr. B Don't worry. And then Mr. B gets fired and he turns around and goes, fuck you! Which I think one of the reasons that joke landed so hard was it was right after that whole episode about him. Yeah. So now that reaction was super out of character. That was fun. Uh, but here's here's the big thing that I found in my research. And that's the popularity of Clone High in between season one and season two. Because we loved Clone High. I loved Clone High when it was on. Yeah. And then I showed it to you. And then you loved Clone High. And then it became a meme. Yes. I was on a Zoom call during the pandemic mm-hmm. with a... Uh, with a colleague who is considerably younger, uh, very early 20s. And I had to eventually message her on Zoom and go, is that, is that JFK from Clone High in your background? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, you merely adopted Clone High. Yes. <laughs> Even though I merely adopted Clone High, I just adopted it like five years before her. So Gen Z got really into Clone High. Because it showed up as, like, memes. Yeah. It was, like, JFK memes, and everyone was like, what is this show? And they went back and discovered it. So they watched Clone High without the context of what it was parodying. And what was so funny to us about Clone High is almost every freaking thing we watched had the character of this dumb guy chasing the hot girl that can't see the girl right in front of him. Yeah. Or vice versa. That like that's the, the other trope of the the girl who doesn't see the guy right in front of them. Uh, that wasn't a big trope when Gen Z watched it. So Gen Z interpreted it as, "Oh, Abe's a jerk who mistreats Joan." Yeah, because that's what Abe's character again. The, this idea of the nice guy trope. Mm-hmm. The nice guy. In 2003 versus the nice guy in 2023, it's a very, very different feeling. Mm -hmm. But like the jokes in Clone High were things like Joan saying, I'm so frustrated I could just kiss you. And Abe going, what did you say? And Joan going, I I could just piss piss glue. Oh, that doesn't make sense. All right. Like, and it's, it's about Abe being... Oblivious. Yes. But now it's being interpreted through the, the Gen Z lens. And this is not me like dogpiling on Gen Z. You didn't have the context of what we watched to see what this is parodying for this to make sense. So now it's being interpreted as Abe is a jerk. And that feedback exists on the internet. So then the people creating the show has to have to create the show knowing that the target audience is now Gen Z and knowing how they see Abe. And they have to fix that. So they kind of just make him a jerk. See, the question here I have is, is the target audience Gen Z? That's the thing I can't quite nail down, is who is this show for? Because the original Clone High was sort of making fun of shows made by Gen... It was Gen Xers making fun of shows made by Gen Xers for... The millennials who are starting to grow up. Mm -hmm. This is a show made by Gen Xers with a few millennials and Gen Z in the cast now. Mm -hmm. But also making fun of 
a lot of the things making fun of the teenage tropes aren't making fun of teenagers. They're making fun of kids these days. Because mm-hmm. teenagers, like, making fun of teenagers for being dramatic is, you know, tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. But this seems to be going after specific kinds of teenagers. I I don't know that... That I don't know who this is necessarily for. Yeah. Because, like, you have a show called Clone High. You think it is for high schoolers. Yeah. But it's also not. Like, I almost wish they had just done Clone College. Because I, I would feel like I could relate more to the characters. Because college is a closer experience to me than high school was. But it's been 20 years. Like, you have to take these this beloved show now. With season one, which has been watched over and over and over again by these people excited for season two and have deified these characters and move them over and update them. Yeah. It's a very tough puzzle. Yeah, it's very easy to make a Jane error. (laughs) Uh, So overall, I know we focused on a lot of the, the issues and not a lot of the positives, but a lot of the positives would be, would be me just repeating jokes I liked. Yes, and there are things that do work. Yeah. Uh, I think the first couple episodes are very well done. I, I think it's why I'm so frustrated as the mm-hmm. season progresses. For the penultimate episode to be terrible, mm-hmm. and for this last episode to be so poorly paced. Yeah. The first few episodes are genuinely very clever and genuinely very funny. Mm-hmm. Even the, like horror episode which I which grew on me over the course of the airing I remember we went for a walk after uh, watching the heebie-jeebie episode which the idea was it was a monster that fed on stress yes so and it was supposed to be the mascot of the test they had to take yeah and which was like an SAT like test I, I sat there watched it gleefully and then we went for a walk and I went listen I know you didn't really dig that episode, but I adored it. <laughs> it it's tough because I think your relationship with that episode might depend on your relationship with anxiety. Yeah. Uh, so I think that might be part of it. 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 I also, this is a weird comparison. The The pacing of that one reminded me of Python. Okay. Like, it reminded me very much of, like, the killer cars. Where it's like, look, everybody, it's the heebie-jeebie. Yay! (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there were things that worked. Mm -hmm. I just, unlike the first season where our review was glowing, it was all killer, no filler, Mm -hmm. there was some obvious... Despite being three episodes shorter, this had more filler. Yeah. Uh, I think it made me want to watch season one again. Yeah, we watched one the first episode with friends maybe like six months ago. Yeah. And I multiple times during the episode went, crap, I forgot how funny this show is. It was so funny. There's like little references to past stuff. Mandy Moore shows up again. Mandy Moore does show Scambot shows up Scam again. Bot. And there's actually a great meta joke of of all the characters to come back. Yeah, not Ashley from O Town. Uh, so yeah, that's a review. Do you want to give this a verdict or no? I think it has to... I, for me, it's a stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Because as much as we talked about the negatives, they were not enough to make me 
not want to watch season three and find out yeah. what happens. There was never a moment where I didn't want to press play on the next episode. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Mild disappointment, but, like, it's on the shoulders of gods. Like, it's going to be tough. But I think it's worth watching. I think the people who are screaming, this has ruined Clone High forever, are wrong. Uh, I think... I think you those people are going to be very hard to please. I also just think it's not for me anymore. Like, it's not parroting the things that I watched anymore because I don't really watch... Like, I keep saying Riverdale because that's the one we watched, but I know that there's a bunch that all have that, like, super stakes feel to them. Like, we watched Life Sentence. Yeah. Like that I mean, Life Sentence is still a decade old. That's okay. All right, true. Time is crazy, guys. So, I would say stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, what do we watch next week? So, we're going to continue with our Undoomed mm-hmm. theme, and we are going to... It's probably going to be two season, or two episodes, because it's just a lot more. A lot of content. Uh, we are hoping to do the quest. Yes. The, the, the content has been very difficult to nail down, and I'm actually working with our patron, Matthew... <laughs> Our super cool patron, Matthew, has been hooking me up with episodes. I think I've gotten it to work. Uh, But if there's another problem, uh, I'll ask Matthew for more help. (laughs) Yes. So thank you to Matthew for being a super cool patron. Uh, Where can people find us, Laura? You can email us at thestaydoomshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoom. And if you want to be a super cool patron, check out patreon.com slash plus two comedy. And if you want to talk to me, because you can talk to me, I'm... At TV's Noah on Instagram. If you're, if you want to talk about the fact that Riverdale's ending and like you just you need to you need to discuss it with somebody, I'm at Priorities on Twitter and I'm glitter and glow tape everywhere else. As always, stay doomed. <laughs>